0: You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Let's talk about change. And I want to talk about it, and I want to talk about a story in the Bible that God has just given me more and more insight to um, about the possibilities of change, how many opportunities God gives us to change. And I see this story totally differently than I've seen it in the past. Uh, And so I want to talk to you about it first before we go into why it's difficult to change and then the steps that we need to take to actually impact positive change, God change on our life, amen? And so uh, let's go to Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And we know this story basically, you know, we call it Jonah and the whale. And, you know, and we, we know it from that perspective. But there's so much to this uh, story. It says this in verse 1. <coughs> Excuse me. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amatea, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Next verse. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah is running, we know, is running from the presence of the Lord because he doesn't want to go to the city of Nineveh. Ninevites were the enemies of God, the enemies of the Jewish people. He despised the Ninevites, and he wasn't going to go share God with them. He didn't want them to have a warning. He wanted God's judgment to fall on them because they were so wicked and so evil. But I want to show you a couple of things in this story that God is a God no matter how wicked someone's been. This whole city was wicked. They were killing, sacrificing children, every type of sexual obsession, uh, impurity, lies, deception. They were practicing it all, worshiping every kind of demon and idol in the city of Nino. But they call it a great city. It was a large city, well over 100,000 people. Some say as many as maybe 300,000 people. It's like the size of Lubbock. And so this is a massive city, and God, even though their sin had risen up to get God's attention, God is so merciful. He's a God not of a second chance. He's a God of another chance. So he's trying to give Nineveh another chance, but not just Nineveh, because Jonah goes the opposite direction. So what I want you to see in this picture is that there's some things that you should be doing that you're not doing and some things that you shouldn't be doing that you are doing. And we got both sides of this picture. Nineveh's doing things they shouldn't be doing. Jonah should be doing something that he doesn't want to do to honor God. He didn't send him to Tarshish. He sent him to Nineveh. He goes the opposite direction. Instead of paying the fare to Nineveh, he pays the fare to Tarshish. And we know he ends up in the belly of a whale, but God talks about that and starts to unfold this picture to us in Jonah chapter three, verses one through three. It says this: Now the word of Lord, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying. So what is the second time? The second time is after Jonah is in the well and he's in the belly of it, and he begins to say, God. I am, I ask your forgiveness and I am repenting. I'm willing to change direction and change my heart. Man, when you go to God and you ask him to forgive you, and you are actually repentance means change. You're actually willing to not just say, I'm sorry. You know, a lot of people come to God and say, I'm sorry. Well, that's that's not what God wants. John the Baptist preached repentance, and when he said, I must decrease so Jesus could increase, Jesus picked that mantle up, and the first message he preached was repentance, change, change your heart. Let, let God change your heart, and then you begin to change your ways. Change your ways, change, change. Jesus began to preach, change, change, it's time to change. And so Jonah not only says, ask God to forgive him, but he says, I am willing and I I purpose to change and I will do what you're asking me to do. So God's not a God of just a second chance. He's a God of another chance. And Jonah gets this second opportunity to do what is right. Do you know right now there's some in this room that God has dealt with you to do certain things that you have not done? There's others in this room that God has told you to stop doing what you're doing and you have not done it. But I've got good news for you. God's given you another chance today. He's the God of hope. He doesn't have hope, he is hope. And what hope says, as a creator, he's both. He's either a creator, creator uh, to, uh, uh, he's a creator of all people He's the creator of all people, but he's, he's the father to some people. The difference between him being the creator and the father is our response to his love, our response to the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's creator to every human being on the planet, and he's such a God of hope that when he creates something, he, he, he's believing and hoping that good will come of it. That's why he said in Jeremiah 29, 29 11, I created you for I have a good plan for you. He said, and he said to us in Psalms, he said, I I have a I you are fearfully and wonderfully created. He had a he has a great purpose for you. When we have children, we're like, man, we we just see all these dreams, and you know, I always say that we want them to be Michael Jordan and Albert Einstein and Mother Teresa, just all mixed together, right? You know, and so we want them. We have these dreams. We have these hopes and these desires that our children will do great, good things. And God is the reason He put that in us, because that's how He thinks. And so when He created, He created with this hope that we would produce something good and advance the kingdom of God, His love, His mercy, His goodness, and that's what He's desiring in all his, His creation. And so he he shows us in this story that if you're not doing something that you're supposed to do, because listen, there is there are people missing out on the goodness of God because there's Christians that aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. You're not doing evil, but you're not, you're being disobedient to what God has called you to do. And so with Jonah, he's like, I, I I'm not gonna go tell these evil people. I won't forgive him. I'm not going to forgive him. I'm not going to. I'm not. I don't want him to have another chance. My son called me the other day and said he was listening to a podcast of a guy who ended up in the military and all this stuff. But he's he's sharing his story about his childhood that he was his childhood. He was he was so molested and so abused and so he was taught all this evil all throughout his childhood. That as he grew up, he finally ended up in the military and and he and through that process, he gave his heart. Someone told him about Jesus, and he gave his heart to Jesus, surrendered his life to Jesus, and it so radically changed him that he went back to his stepfather, he went back to the same people that abused him and led them to Jesus. And who could no one would they probably wouldn't listen to anybody but him. So the Ninevites are in the same place. They have this guy named Jonah who they know is a Jew and hates them, but he's there to help them and warn them. And that's what got their attention. See, sometimes God didn't just create you with a purpose. He saved you with a greater purpose. And, And sometimes it's to go back and lead. I know families and people in this room. I know one particular woman who, who was molested by her father for years, and, and she got out of that household, and, and she overcame it. She got saved and born again, and she forgave him. She went back and led him to Jesus. That's amazing stuff to me. That's what we have with Jonah. And if you haven't done what God's told you to do, you haven't made that phone call, you haven't made that, that change, you're being disobedient, not, not in what you are doing, what you're not doing. There's two types of sins. There's sins of commission, stuff you're doing that's wrong, and sins of omission, stuff you know you're supposed to be doing that you're not doing. And this is the perfect picture of this. And then what's amazing about God is he's so patient, he's like, I'm going to give you another chance and another chance. In the nation of Nineveh, he talks about their destruction coming because of what they sowed. God never repays you to anything that you haven't sown. He established seed time and harvest from the beginning of the creation of the earth. That whatsoever a man soweth, he reaps. And so, what is happening to Nineveh? When it says that God's going to bring destruction, He's bringing what they He's bringing the harvest of what they sowed. He never gives you He never gives you what you haven't sown. Some will say amen. amen. He always gives you what you sowed. Unless you, you say, God, I'm sorry, and I'm, I repent, I'm willing to change. Then he said, I won't give you what you've sown. So Jonah repents so he doesn't give him what he's sown, which is to die in the belly of a fish. That's what he should happen. That's what should happen to him from his disobedience, but that's not what happens. That fish throws him up on the beach, right in Nineveh. Right in Nineveh. Throws him up at the beach, not in Tarsus, not some other city, in Nineveh. Because when you're willing to change, God will throw you up right where you need to be. He'll spit you out right there where you need to be. And that's what happens here. He said, he said the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, next verse, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Next verse. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now he's he's, he's changed. He's going he's to say everything the Lord told him to say. He said, now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. Otherwise, it took him three days to walk around the city and proclaim. He walked three days straight. Hey, I'm telling you. Destruction's coming. You don't repent. You don't change. He just he walked. It took him three days to walk that city and just begin and proclaim it to everybody that would hear it. He walked nonstop three days to cover that city. And so that's what it means there. Next verse. And Jonah began to enter the city. Uh, on the first day's walk, then he cried out and said, yet 40 days and none of us shall be overthrown. I love this, that he didn't come and say, if you don't repent today, (laughs) tomorrow you're done. God even, he's such a God of another chance. He said, you've got 40 more days. You have 40 more days. He's like, man, I'm doing everything I can to be patient with you. I'm doing everything I can to help you. He doesn't want us he said, I don't repay you according to what you've sown. That's what? That's called mercy. That's called grace. Oh, I'm so grateful I don't get repaid fully for what I have sown. And so he wants to forgive, but he's looking for hearts that, that don't apologize to him, but hearts that are saying, God, I want to change. Help me to change to do what you told me to do. Help me to change to stop doing what I am doing. He's giving you a shot today. He's a God of another chance. He's giving Nineveh another chance. Chance after chance after chance after chance. Uh, If they will, go on down to Jonah 3 verse 6. It says this. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh. got all the way to the king, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. What he did is he declared a fast. That's what he was doing. He said, I'm going to fast and pray. Go to the next verse. We find out what he actually did here. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, All the leadership, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. Next verse. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn. Everybody say, turn. Turn. That means change direction. That's why we call our youth group 180. It's like if you're going this way, you need to turn around and go the opposite direction. That's called repentance. That's called change. One turned from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. And he calls for this this fast and prayer time. So whether you're, you're, Jonah was in a forced fast. He got swallowed by a whale and now he's not eating anything. He's eating salt water and acid. I don't know what he's eating. But whatever's in there, it's probably he's, he's getting eaten, not eating. He's in a forced fast. Don't put God in a position where he puts you in a t- such a tight place that you really have no option because you won't obey what he told you to do. Some of it's simple like, man, you you need to start reading your Bible. You need to start praying. You need to you really need to start uh, you know serving me at a different level you need to start giving you need to start i mean whatever it is don't don't put God in a position because he's such a god of another chance and he's he's the god of hope he is hope that he'll he'll start squeezing you don't put him in a position as a parent or in your marriage that he has to squeeze you to get you to change come on but if he has to he will if he has to, he'll put you in your proverbial fish where it's tight. You're being squeezed. Man, if you're getting squeezed, man, God's trying to squeeze something either out of you or into you. And you, if you know what it is, man, just say, okay, God, okay, God, okay, God, I'll change, I'll change. Okay, God, I'll change. So whether it's relationally or, or financially or your attitude or whatever, man, just welcome it. Because it's God's not trying to get you to do something to hurt you. He's trying to get you to do it to help you, but not just help you. There is hundreds of thousands of people's lives at stake. I wonder, is there anybody sitting in here that some city would have been changed if you'd obeyed? Some nation. Maybe it's just some family. If you would have just made the changes and did the things that he's called you to do for them. Whose life, maybe it's just one person whose life, whose eternal life is at stake. And he's he's created you to make a difference in their life. Oh, my goodness, it's awful quiet in here. Maybe it's, it's, he's given you a chance to forsake evil in your life so you can live your destiny and your purpose. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's what's holding you back. That's what was holding Nineveh back it was evil, was wickedness. And what did they do? They fasted and prayed so that they could change. Jonah's in a forced fast so he would do obey God. They're in a chosen fast to forsake wickedness and break the strongholds of wickedness out of their life. Do you know that anything that you're attached to that's wicked, that you're addicted to, whether it's a bad attitude or anger or depression or drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, sexual obsession, whatever it is, that you're addicted to, do you know that's your idol? Anything that controls you is your God. And it becomes an idol. And they were full of idols in Nineveh. They worshipped everything and anything. And God broke off that, all, that, all that negative wickedness and all those idols out of their life when they really turned to him and fasted and prayed. Man, I'm going to ask you to do something. As you're fasting and praying, I know you're going to petition God for things you need. But I want to ask you to do something every day. I want you to petition God for what he needs. Ask him, God, you know my needs. I pray, I ask you night and day for them. God, what do you need? What do you need from me? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to speak to? What do you want me to say? I'm willing. I'm willing to do what you want me to do, what you need, instead of just what I need. God said, if you'll put his kingdom first, He'll add everything else to you. Let's, let's, do, let's enter this year right. Let's enter this year with the right attitude, knowing he's a God of another chance. He saved Jonah. He saved all those hundreds of thousands people in Nineveh because he's a God that says, oh, I'm giving you every opportunity to change. Here's your shot. The Bible says, "Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. The number seven is the number of completion. So if and this is a righteous man, this is someone that's right with God that falls. You know, you can be right with God and still fall. But God said if you're right with him and you fall and you have a right relationship with him, you don't get up and crawl away from him or run away from him. You get up and run to him. And he said, you'll always get back up. The number eight is the number of new beginnings. He's saying, even when you blow it and you sin, if you'll get up and say, God, forgive me, I'm, I'm changing. God, I don't, I don't care how many steps it takes. I don't care how many falls I have to, to take. I'm going to change. I'm going to perfect this change in my life. Man, he's like, okay, we're going to start brand new right now. When? Right now. When? When you ask me to forgive you and you say you're gonna change? Right then, we're gonna start new again. How many times do we get to start new? As many times as it takes. As many times as it takes. I fell continually. I fell continually because I, I had so many bad habits. Just pick one, I fell to it. But I, I was right with Jesus. He was the Lord of my life. I just kept getting up and saying, God, I'm sorry, I'm gonna change. And He's like, good, let's start new right now. I'm like, okay. I'm not going to let guilt or condemnation drag me down, God. It's all brand new. You forgive me. You said you not only forgave me, you forgot about it. So I'm going to forget about it and just keep moving forward. Man, that's how change started happening. That's how change, that's how you get to where... Let me say this to you, if you'll get to where you will change and get the negative stuff out of your life, then you'll get to change and do the other things that God has called and created you to do. Because I was willing to change and get the junk, the wickedness, the sin out of my life, I got to do the good things that God had called me to do. Both of them are so vital. And God, he believes in you. Gosh, he believes in us more than we believe in us. And he's preaching today, change, do it. I'll help you do it. He'll help us do it. We can't do it on our own many times. If we could, we already would have. Come on now. If you could do it on your own, you've already done it. We need the power of the Spirit of God, the power of His Word, the power of His mercy, His grace, His love, His goodness. We need Him to help us to do these things. And guess what? He's willing. He's willing to help. Jesus said, it's better that I go to heaven than I even stay on earth because I'm going to send you someone called the Helper. His name is the Holy Spirit. And he will empower you to make changes. He'll empower you to get wickedness out of your life. And he'll empower you to be obedient to the call and purpose and destiny that God's called you to. He'll do both. And this is an unbelievable example of both. And so I hope you grab a hold of this and say, okay, let's go, Pastor. I'm going to make some changes. I'm going to make some great changes in 2024. You know... I talked about last week how God is the answer to everything. And that people are walking in more and more delusions and lies. And God doesn't want us to walk delusional. He doesn't want us to be someone that's delusional, we say is crazy. And when you believe a lie about yourself or about a situation, when you're not walking in the truth, that means you're delusional. You're walking in a lie, and there's so many lies, and, and I talked about last week how AI in the world is going to perfect lying. They're going to perfect delusional thinking, and we got we to gotta perfect thinking right. We got to perfect living the truth of God's Word in our life to combat the, the level of delusion and the level of lies that are, that are here and that are coming in our lives, And so God is empowering us to make some changes. Now I want to give you just a couple uh, quick points on why it is difficult to perfect some changes. Because sometimes you have to identify the problem before you get to the solution. Here's one of the reasons why it's difficult to perfect changes. Because personal defects in negative behavior was a pattern that you learned as a child. You know, God says in his word that no longer will parents uh, reap the results of what their children do, and no longer will children reap the results of what their parents do. He changed that in the Old Testament. He said no more. So there's no such thing as a, really a generational curse. What there is is generational sin and generational bad behavior that brings the curse. And so sometimes we learn things generationally. Like if we grow up with parents that scream and yell and cuss each other out, a lot of times that will be your go-to when you get in an argument with your spouse. If you grow up with parents that model always retreating from an argument or cold shouldering somebody, so sometimes we don't just we don't just get that automatically spiritually, because God said, I'm breaking that. But we can pick up that habit spiritually. Just like we look like our family with our DNA, our physical DNA, we can start acting like our family with spiritual DNA. And we can pick up these habits and these negative things, this, this stuff, man. My mama was a worrier, I'm a worrier. My mom was always afraid. I'm afraid. My parents were always involved in drama. I like to be involved in drama. And we can pick up these generational behaviors, and they're hard to break because we've seen them modeled, and we picked them up, and we're modeling them. And now we're modeling them for our children. My parents were always unhealthy. I'm going to be unhealthy. My family divorces, that's what they do, then I know I'm going to divorce. That becomes your go-to. Guys, we don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to do that. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit and His Word to make the changes necessary that we're not modeling that behavior to our children. Amen? I can go on and on on some of the negative impacts. Whether it's sexual or or financial. My parents never had any money. They were always poor. They always made poor financial decisions. So that's what I do. I mean, it, it can, you can model so many negative things. But I want to say to the children that have been raised like that, that are young now, or even as you as an adult, you do not have to act that way. You can break that generational sin off of your life and change it for generations. So things become what the Bible calls is a familiar spirit. It's just, it's just what you do. Familiar is, the root word of that is family. That demonic spirits become familiar, so familiar, they're family. This is how our family always is. This is what our family always does. And they become demonic spirits and, demonic, and sin becomes family. So familiar to you that it's, you treat it like family. Oh no, let's not treat sin, let's not treat demons like family. Amen? Amen? Let's treat them like they are. They're our enemy. They're the enemy of family. They're our enemy in Jesus' name. Number two, uh, what happens is that it becomes our identity that we start to say, I am always scared, I am always mad, I am always passive aggressive, I am not a people person, I don't like people, I am, I am, I am. And we can just repeat that, and it becomes our identity. It not just becomes what our family does, it becomes who we are. And then the third thing goes along with it. We We start to repeat behavior that we reward. We start rewarding bad behavior. What you reward, you repeat. What you repeat, you reward. And we start rewarding our bad behavior and and start making it feel like it feels good to do what's wrong. Someone say amen. amen. Let's not reward bad behavior. Let's reward good behavior. These are some of the obstacles to change. Number four. Satan fights us. In Ephesians 6, we learn that our battle's not with flesh and blood, but with demons. We have a demonic war, an angel, a war between God and Satan, angels and demons, taking place right now, and we're the ones smack dab in the middle of it. And there's satanic forces that are driven to oppose us. We need to be aware of that. We need to be aware that this is a spiritual battle. That we have an accuser that accuses us day and night. He's not taking time off. There's no vacations in the demonic world. But I've got good news for you. Our God is greater. Jesus came and he said he stomped Satan's kingdom under his feet. And he defeated every principality and power. And that if we serve the Lord Jesus Christ, we can overcome every one of them. Because our king gave us victory. Amen. Amen. And so those are, the, those are the obstacles. Those are some of the things that, that, try to, that try to make it very hard and do make it very difficult to change. But you need to identify those things and identify the root. And the Bible says when you cut it off at the root, the fruit will die. So you need to say, hey, that's a generational sin. That's a generational bad habit, and I'm cutting that off right now. In the name of Jesus, I break my tie to that. I'm not going to let demonic spirits become my family and become part of my family. I cut you off from my family, for not just from me, but for a thousand generations. No more in the name of Jesus. And then we, then we begin to start, we can actually start taking steps. Steps that are very practical. Here's the first one. First one of six. It all comes from Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start reading from Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, in, uh, starting in verse 17, he gives us six steps in just this one book. It starts in verse 17. It says this, So with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say, you should not live like unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Their corrupted logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God. Their blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God. He said, we're not supposed to be hanging and believing and acting like unbelievers. I've already seen it. The church has been moved. A large portions of the body of Christ are starting to say he and she and they and them and starting to agree with these delusions that these people are walking in. And it's being pushed in corporate America. It's being pushed in government. And I I salute people that have stood up and say, listen, if you want to walk in that delusion, that lie, you can. do what That's your business, but you're not going to force me to walk in it too. I salute the people that have stood up. He said, I'm not, gonna, I'm not playing this, this game with you. I'm not going to lie to you. And you're not going to force me to lie. Satan, he's such a two-bit dictator. He's trying to force us all to agree with the lie. Go along to get along. Guys, that's how Satan destroys whole nations and people's lives. We don't need to do that. And we, so we can't think like the world, act like the world. The Bible says, what does darkness have to do? What does light have to do with darkness? And unbelievers, uh, believers with unbelievers. Uh, man, what does is, what is righteousness have to do with wrong? I mean, guys, we are not supposed to think and act. We need to start cutting that stuff off out of our life and saying, listen, if they want to walk in a lie, that's, they can walk in a lie, but I'm not walking in it with them. I'm not going to think like the world or act like the world. I am, I am light to that darkness. And boy, does the world need light, our light, that God has shined inside of us. And so we need to, we need to be wise. 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, What the world says is wisdom is actually foolishness. Oh, my goodness. I see foolishness at a level I've never seen it in our culture around the world that a man can say he's a woman and that everybody agrees yes that is a woman that they're putting feminine products inside a men's bathroom gosh you know how delusional that is that's just like he's saying it that they're 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 walking in these unbelievable delusions that a man can have a baby And you know how they justify that? Because a woman is calling herself a man, so a man has a womb. I mean, that's one delusion plus another delusion equals delusional. And we laugh at it, but guys, this is is craziness. And many in the body of Christ, many denominations have bought the lie because they don't want to face any kind of pushback. And that's why they've bought into it. They don't want any kind of pushback. They don't want to be talked about the way I'm talked about in this community. Someone just said to one of my children just yesterday, your your dad is a hater and he's he's a thief and he's a this and that. Accuse me of everything. My son physically removed him from that place. He's blessed I wasn't there because some of the things he said were so egregious. But I know why. I know why they're saying it, and I forgive this person. Why? Because God says if we're suffering for taking a stand for his kingdom, then we're participating in the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should count it all joy. So bring it on. What what the world says is wisdom is actually foolishness in God's eyes, as it is written, the cleverness of the know-it-alls becomes the trap that ensnares them. They think they're smarter than God. They think they're smarter than God. They need us more than ever to say, man, you're not smarter than God. I'm not smarter than God. You're not smarter than God. Your truth is a lie. There's only one way, one truth, and one life, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Only through Him can we reach the Father. Only through Him can we go to heaven. Only through Him can we be set free from the tyrannical stronghold of darkness in our life. Woo, come on now. Only through Jesus. So we must stop thinking like the world, acting like the world, agreeing with the lies and delusions of the world. And take the heat. Whatever the heat comes, why? Because we don't do it because we hate them. We should do it because we love them. And someone loved us enough to tell us the truth. And we should love them enough to tell them the truth. And not just speak it, but live it. And you know, the people say, well, you know, they're just a bunch of hypocrites at church. Well, join the human race. They're hypocrites too. Bigger than, at levels than most of us. At least we're doing it. At least we're doing what's right and trying to overcome any hypocrisy in our life. Instead of just yielding to hypocrisy. Real change, this is number two, we're done. Real change requires real truth. Real truth. Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Free from what? The lies. Free from delusions. Free from lies. Free from living an identity and a lie in your life that says, you're no good. You'll never be any good. You're not pretty enough. You're not big enough. You're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. You're not, you're not, you're not. From believing the lies of the enemy about our identity, who we really are. We're the blood-bought children of the Most High God. There is nothing impossible to God and nothing impossible to us. If you'll close your eyes with me, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for those online. Thank you for joining us Man, we pray for those here and those online. Father, I thank you. I'm so grateful for them. And Father, I pray right now you open up their hearts and minds to see what you want them to see, what you need them to see. That Father, they get answers to prayer today. That you're moving mightily in our midst, Father, to save lives, to encourage your people, to restore life back to those who have lost it. Father, we pray that in Jesus' name. And so right now, if you've never prayed and said, "God, I surrender my life to you." You surrendered your life to me in the form of your only begotten son, Jesus, who surrendered his he surrendered his lordship. He surrendered his godship to come to earth and become a human being. He surrendered his life as a human being. He surrendered his relationship and was separated from you when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the only time that Jesus said that. It's the only time he called him God instead of Father. He took that separation that sin causes. Sin causes us to be separated from God who created us, who loves us. The only one that can tell you your purpose, your the plan for your life. The only one that can change you and, oh, help you. Stop living in evil and lies and start living in the truth and living life worth living. Worth giving away. If you've never prayed and surrendered your life the way He surrendered His life for you, you, sur- you surrender your life for Him if you've never done that, let's do that right now. Or maybe you've, you've, you've known Him and you're like Jonah. You're just being disobedient. You're running from God. Listen, He gave Nineveh, this great evil place, full of evil, uh, another chance he gave them chance a chance. He's given you that are doing evil, that are opposed to God, a chance to get it right. But he's also giving those who have run away from God. You disobeyed him and you know it. A chance to come back. He's a God of another chance. Here's your opportunity. Here's your chance. So whether it's the first time or the next time, or you're online or you're here right now, if you want to take that opportunity, then we want to take that step with you. So I'm going to ask you to do two things. One, on the count of three, online, send us a message saying, I'm praying for the first time or the next time. In this room, raise your hand high. Unashamedly, God, I'm unashamed of this step I'm taking to surrender my life to You because I know You surrendered Your life to save me. Then the second thing I'm going to ask You to do is just to pray with us. Just to pray. Right where you're at. Right where you're sitting. Right where you're at. And you might be watching online. This might not be Sunday. It might be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Listen, it's just as real. Days from now, weeks from now, months from now, as it is right now. He's the same God. And so here we go. On three, send us a message online. On three, raise your hand. high here. And then put it down. Say, it's me. I'm going to get right with God. I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity, this chance he's giving me to get it right. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now. Yes. Thank you, 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 thank you. Golly, all over this room, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, God's so amazing. He loves you and loves me so much. He loves us so much. So let's pray with those online. Let's pray with those in the room with us right now. All of us say this together. Say, God, I believe that you are God and God alone. And I believe you love me. You created me with a purpose and a plan, a good one. I believe that. That's why you sent Jesus to die for my sins, so you could save my life. That's why you raised him from the dead, so that when I die, I'm raised up. I go to heaven, not to hell. Oh, I thank you. For saving me. And because I believe that, I ask that you forgive me of all of my sins against you. And I receive your forgiveness right now. It's a new day. It's a new time right now. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. You surrendered your life for me. I surrender my life to you. Teach me by the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me in your word how to live life and life to the full, serving you, fulfilling your plan, your destiny for my life. Thank you for saving me, restoring me, giving me another chance. In Jesus' name so be it. Amen. Come on. Let's thank God. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.